We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Indiana Pacers. Catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. Danny Granger at the buzzer hits a three-point shot, and the Indiana Pacers have won the game here in Phoenix. Oh, we have some smothered chicken on that one. Smothered chicken. finding down. They turn it over. Oladipo picks it. Back out. Bogdanovich for three. Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 11, a.k.a. Jamal Tinsley. This is Setting the Pace. I'm your host for tonight's show, Alex Golden. And joining me, as always, is the dashing Michael Fachi, who is the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, I am doing good. It seems like help is on the way in the name of Victor Oladipo. And uh, I got to say, I've been impressed with how the team's been while he's been gone. So life's pretty good. Yeah, four-game winning streak since we, well, I guess it was the start of a four-game winning streak since we talked because they had that nice one over the Bulls. But, you know, I mean, we, we saw them go to Orlando, win that game, come home, take on the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, that was a pretty interesting game as well. They pulled that one out. And then last night, almost gave up a 25-point lead. <laughs> Let those Wizards hang around for way too long and, and pulled it out in the end. But, I mean, 17-10, and 10, man, I, I can't complain. Yeah, either could I. Um, honestly, I was, I was taking a look at it, and, and the seventeen and ten start, the or the 
630 winning percentage. It's the highest since 2011, 2012, which was a strike shortened season. So the hot start now, I mean, it's crazy how week to week it changes. Now the, the motions go from high to low. Are we in trouble? Oh my God. Are we, do we need to make a trade to, Hey, we're doing just fine. And all the I, you'd like to think at least going to be a little bit more healthier. I, I'm feeling good. Yeah, and I think one of the most consistent things we've seen, which we haven't been able to say in his four-year career, has been the play of Miles Turner. Uh, Miles Turner has just been really, really, really solid since you know since Oladipo went out, and I think a lot of people were skeptical about how he would play. And you know, the more confidence he gets, the happier I am. We saw man bun Miles Turner last night. Kind of took me back to that 1990s uh, Disney movie Mulan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'm loving the way Turner's playing, but um, I, I, I got to kind of clarify what I was saying with my tweet. Uh, that Some people kind of, I don't know if they got they understood what I was saying, but basically what I'm saying is every time Miles Turner has a decent game or an above-average game, Everybody on Pacers media just has to magnify the game that Turner has because when he doesn't have a good game and Sabonis does, people slander Turner left and right. And so it's like the media is trying to, you know, force feed us that Miles Turner is a good player. I think we all know that he's a good player. We just want consistency, number one. And number two, if you're paying a guy $80 million for the next four years, you want him to put up consistent stats that are that are positive that are, you know, in the range, you know, I don't know how many double-doubles he's gotten in the last, you know, whatever games Oladipo's been out, but, I mean, he's been rebounding the ball at an efficient rate. He's getting in the post. He's playing basketball that a lot of fans want to play, and so I haven't seen as much criticism of Miles Turner recently because he's playing really solid basketball, but I don't need everybody to tell me how great he's playing. Like, just let it happen. I just, I just get kind of frustrated with it because it's like, you know, we know he's a good player, but... We shouldn't have to be told every single time he has a good game that, oh, this is the best game that he's had in a long time. Just just let him play. I mean, I don't know. It's just annoying to me. Fachi, am I being over the top? No, I, I hear you. I mean, we're trying to pump confidence into him because this is the guy we thought we paid. Last night, 26, 12, and 5 blocks. I mean, it, it was maybe the most complete game he's played for the Pacers. He's had some great games before, but – the five blocks, it seemed like he blocked everything last night. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was so encouraging to see. He's got four double-doubles in the last six games. I mean, this is what you call stepping up. He's upped his numbers since Oladipo's been out. He's averaging basically 15-10 and 10 and nearly three-and-a-half blocks. He's always been one of the best rim protectors, but it just seems that he's got the confidence now and he's elevated his play. I, I love what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, Sabonis has taken a little bit of a dip with Miles' um, production. So, <laughs> it, what does that a you know what does that have to do with anything? I mean, does it is it because Turner's getting more touches? Is it because of the matchups? I mean, why has Sabonis not been playing as great? I mean, part of it I think he was still recovering from that sore back in Sacramento when he got uh, hit down there, and then I think also. Um, he had some food poisoning, so he missed the game Friday. So Saturday, he didn't look like himself when I went to the game. He looked a little bit sluggish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could still be recovering from that. Uh, but I was reading some of the stats. Pacers are ten and four when Miles Turner has ten or more shots. Let's wow. let's keep them active. And they're still undefeated when Tyreek Evans scores over thirteen points, right? 
I almost tweeted that out last night. The, the streak was in jeopardy. That run had me. Oh my god, I was an I was a nervous wreck. And it just seemed that the Pacers couldn't buy a basket uh, in between the third and fourth quarters. It was getting rough, but the streak still lives. That's that's kind of why I hate big third quarter leads like that. You get comfortable, you take your foot off the gas, you try to just coast, but. Man, when you still have like 16 minutes left in an NBA game, 24 points, 25 points, that's easy to erase, especially with the efficiency of the three-point line. Oof, I, I completely agree. It just seemed that nothing was going our way. We were getting offensive fouls. The Wizards were just getting steals and, and, and transitioning to buckets. It was it was getting real rough because everything had gone as smooth as could be in that second quarter and for half of the third, but all that matters – is we held on for the win. Yeah, Season-high four-game winning streak. Let's and, get it. And in this four-game winning streak, I think the most consistent player might not be Miles Turner. I think it has to go to Bojan Bogdanovich. He's averaging 20 points a game and five rebounds. From that small fourth position, you brought Bojan in last year. Not really sure what you're going to get. He was playing on the bench with the Wizards of the previous year in the playoffs. He wanted a chance to start. He comes here. Looked a little sluggish at the beginning of the season last year. Fans were saying, oh, we need to get rid of him. And now look at him. I mean, he has become a fan favorite. He had an amazing dunk last night on a back cut. He thundered that ball through the rim. It was such a hard dunk. I loved it. I didn't even realize he made it at first. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just saying, like, Bojan has been fantastic and beyond phenomenal this season. And in that four-game winning streak, he has been the catalyst of our scoring options. He's really elevated his play. I mean, he's playing career basketball right now across the board um just the shooting percentages are just amazing i mean his three-point percentage actually went down of recent down to just 49 percent. that's amazing i i mean (laughs) it's i mean how spoiled can we be he's topped he's topped over 20 points eight of the last 14 games just continues to just be such a bright spot and just very consistent as i mentioned last week we've kind of been wondering whose game is it going to be tonight He's had a pretty good game just about every game that Oladipo's been out, except for maybe about one of them. But, hey, you can't have a great game every game. Yeah, also, no. another guy who stepped up, Darren Collison, 17 assists last night. Whew. Wow. That was nice. Those were, those were huge, and he had some nice shots towards the end of the game when we could not get a bucket to fall. Uh, that step back three was really, really nice. So, all right, well, we're going to bring on former Pacer david harrison right now so uh we are going to come back after that interview with david harrison and preview the next couple of games so hold on tight guys here comes david harrison all right joining us right now on setting the pace we are very happy to have former pacer center david harrison i think he was drafted in 2004 is that correct Uh, is that correct david yep that long ago wow that long ago 14 years ago man i can't even believe that was 14 years ago that's that's insane so uh we're basically just gonna ask david some questions here and you know he's gonna elaborate on them just kind of talk it's you know it's not necessarily an interview but it's more so just us all talking with david so i guess i'll start things off man so david how would you describe the pacers locker room when you were a rookie and veterans such as Reggie Miller, Jermaine O'Neal, and Ron Artest were on the roster. Um, you know, like, Reggie was also 
uh, when it came to leadership, just simply because that's just, it was just ingrained in him, in my opinion. Um, the locker room really got a little squirrely, I guess, the year Reggie left. Uh, so, Eddie, there's a power vacuum. Uh, but like, there's just a bunch of chaos. You know, we had uh, the brawl the year before, and actually at the time we were going through. Uh, Rod sitting out, not wanting to play, and uh, we were, ended up having to trade him for Peja Sorokovic uh, that season. Let's not bring up that. Ah, I just saw it Peja. still hurts. I saw him on Saturday at that Kings game. Man, how can that snake decide to walk in an arena like that again? <laughs> I can't call Peja a snake. I mean, he came in and he did well for us. It just was a situation that wasn't working out for him and his family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I'm just, I'm just being funny and facetious because – that trade, I mean, we really didn't get much back for it. But I, I think one thing Reggie Miller has always said is on interviews that he couldn't let Jermaine O'Neal, he couldn't, you know, convince Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest that this was their team together and it didn't have to be Jermaine's team, it didn't have to be Ron's team. Was there really that kind of tension in the locker room? Yes, but uh, that was that was the the the, the underlying issue. Uh, Jermaine wanted it to be his team. Uh, Rod thought it was his team, and at the end of the day, when you have two talents like that butting heads, it's like it would unstoppable force be to the movable object. You know, you have a collision and an explosion. Yeah, and that's exactly what's happening. I've heard Ron Artest kind of look back on that now and admit pretty much what you just said that it's it's a shame they couldn't just share the team because. Oh my God! As Pacer fans, you look back at just how talented that team was, and expectations were real. They could have won a championship. Oh yeah, we 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 had the depth, uh, and we had the expertise in the coaching staff. You know, if you look at our coaching staff, we have Mike Brown, who's been head coach multiple times, Kevin O'Neill, head coach, both all of the same staff. Yeah, uh, we we had we had a very very uh, special group of people there. Uh, but the biggest problem, I would say, between Jermaine and uh, Rod was Jermaine was injured a lot, and that would cut into practice time. And Rod would practice, and he wouldn't like that Jermaine wouldn't practice. And so that was a, that was one issue, Rod's way. Jermaine's way was on defense. Uh, you know, Rod on defense, he, he would just guard whoever he wanted. Um uh, <laughs> This, uh, seriously, like if he if he felt like guarding the center, he guard the center. And if you're the center, <laughs> you better go guard his guy. Yeah. Like, but the thing is, he was good enough to do that stuff. It, it, it causes it caused chaos. It caused havoc. It worked for him. But we were running a defensive scheme that kind of asked for more order. Uh, I mean, look how many blocks your mate had. Uh, yeah. That was just part of the scheme. You know, he, he'd come over and take the charge as well. But the scheme was the way we would rotate. Uh, he was the last man of defense, and if it didn't work that way, uh, the last man of defense just got dunked on pretty much because he's not a outside guy blocking <laughs> anybody out. Yeah, and so, uh, but you know, like I said, you know, things like that, like little things, little things, little things, and then uh, the, the culmination of it all uh, was the post brawl. Uh, you know, a whole year without Rod, uh, we lose Reggie, which was horrible. I, I still remember the Knicks game. Uh, uh, sorry, that was my. It wasn't the next game. It was uh, his last game of this, uh, the year, 
And uh, it's just the festivities are all about to go off. It's been crazy everywhere because every game we played almost at that time was Reggie's last game there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, you know, he's sitting there and I was like, like, would you come back next year? And I, I, he's like, no, I'm done. Cause I, I think he saw the storm that was coming because he wasn't going to be able to come back in a leadership role because Steven was going to be a starter. Uh, yeah. Steven Jackson was talented enough, and like he, he was like he was going to be the starter. You know, Reggie Miller being a, uh, a supporting role on the Pacers that, that that's not you don't ask Batman to do that. And that's kind of <laughs> that was happening. So uh, I, he he was just gone, and I think he kind of saw the storm that was coming, and, and it did. You know, that was I would say after that after Reggie left, uh, the fan base it wasn't the fan base turned a bit. Uh, I think it's everybody missed Reggie so much. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, a bunch of years of people just sitting around like, where's Reggie, where's Reggie? And, you know, I, and honestly, like, you know, Danny was picking up the slack, but you know, like, almost thank God Paul showed up because he he was, he kind of re-energized, in my opinion, the, the fan base, like, drive towards, yeah, we, we could be champions again. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true, and I I guess one other individual I would like to know a little bit more about because such a quiet guy, but he was, you know, one of the fan favorites of the Indiana Pacers was Jeff Foster. Uh, I know you guys were both centers on the team, so what kind of a effect did he have in that locker room? And you know, what was what was he like? I mean, I just don't know much about him. He's a quiet guy. Well, I mean, Jeff definitely matured, especially when he stayed here forever. Uh, yeah. But at that, even at that time, you know, Jeff, it, it wasn't, Jeff didn't have the ability to be a calming or energizing factor uh, for what was going on. Uh, at that point, Jeff was focusing on getting the next contract. Like, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, like, if, if, if a situation would have came up like this later in Jeff's career, I'm pretty sure one from this experience, he, he would have been able to be more of a, vocal leader about it uh but at the same time at this point in his career you know he's like you said one center we had like six centers on the team at the time yeah it's <laughs> true that's when the that's when the big man position was a lot different than it is in today's nba <laughs> oh it was actually a big man's position instead yeah. of a person that was big yeah not mark exactly. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> well well the, the, the stretch four phenomenon. And I, I got into like a little bit of Twitter spat. You know, if you look look at what a stretch four is, it's a Larry Bird, yeah. uh, a person that could very versatile, can guard multiple positions, can guard a bigger person down blow, uh, which causes the bitch match that makes the stretch four worth it. Like Draymond Green, you put a bigger guy on him, he could drive it, he could shoot it. Like it is, it's a it, it, it's a very good position, but when you have talents emerging like Joel Embiid, like I, I wish, I wish the big man would be big again. But there's no value in it. You just get fouls called on you being big, like literally. Like uh, you see, like Boogie Cousins play. Like it, it, it's just funny. Like the biggest guy out there, he just walks. He gets a foul called on him. Like I, I, I live that life. It's ridiculously frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, uh, I, w- I would imagine. I mean, it's 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 really crazy how much the game has changed. Just uh, honestly, since since your time in the NBA, I mean, it, uh, simply put, they did away with the center on on the All Star ballot, and that pretty much says it all. 
I, I, there was always an undermining conspiracy theory type scheme in my head that I thought that the game was trying to make Shaq the last one. Uh, like, this, this is a thing that, like, he's, you see Shaq for a lot of commercials and stuff, but he doesn't market clothes. He doesn't market shoes. And that's kind of what NBA players do. Uh, if you look at Shaq's feet and you're like, wow, if I could wear those shoes, I could perform like him, you're my size. Because if you're not his <laughs> size, nothing he wears you think you could ever wear. Yeah. So it's just like the smaller, like like Steph Curry, like the dude could market anything. Like yes. he could he could wear absolutely anything, and he could relate to any any end user that a person is. Uh, hey, I want to purchase this. Uh, he wears it. I could look like him. If Shaq went that route, he wears it. There's no way he could ever look like Shaq. And if he wore it, he wore it to be a dress. If I oh. wore it, he wore it to be a dress. I would never be able to fit into anything that Shaq's modeling. So it goes without saying when you're when you're five <laughs> ten. So. You know, David, while we're on the topic of big men, kind of transitioning over, a hot topic right now amongst Pacer fans has been the never-ending debate between who should start, Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis. And while both players have their strengths, do you think it's possible for them to both coexist and finish games, or is it going to be more of a survival of the fittest eventually leading to one of them leaving town? Uh, I mean, I think Miles just got a really – uh, contract extension, uh, and I think Sabonis is due his as well. And I think at that point, you know, it's going to be a cap issue, but uh, coexistence between the two of them is possible. But uh, I, I, I just don't see. I just don't, they, they score in the same spots. Uh, they do the same thing. Uh, so it's almost like they could supplement one another, but that that's a very expensive supplementation there. And they're very good players, and they're worth the money. And the question is this. It's what do you get for them being on the court together? That's data that you're going to have to pull. You know, you're going to have to see their plus biases. You're going to have to see what happens, their effect together on the court. Uh, their effect together on the court is they could clog the paint uh, I guess a poor outside shooting team. Uh, they're going to be probably more likely to have more rebounds. So, you know, that that's a good, like, situation where they could be together. But when you look at the competition, that one-two punch together is a detriment on defense uh, just because of how well teams are shooting. I mean, tomorrow night they're playing against the Bucks. The Bucks have the most wide open threes in the league because you have to protect the paint against Giannis. The dude can jump from from half court with his long arm to dunk it almost. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's like, insane. But, but if you could pack the paint with those two and then protect the perimeter with everybody else, uh, you could potentially slow down that stat. Uh, less wide open threes for the for the outside defenders. It's just so uncommon for a team to invest big contracts in numerous centers. So it's going to be oh. tricky moving forward. San Antonio did it, um, I guess. I mean, they, they replaced you know David Robinson with Duncan. Um, mm-hmm. Look at Miami, they did it. Um, not, I mean, you had Alonzo Mourning, the number two pick, um, the same team. So, that was a championship squad. So, I mean, we had other people there. So it's, it's like 
you you ha- there is a model for two big dominant centers. One that one that's more in that situation. A lot of the mornings a better defender than Shaq is. Um, he's a better rim defender. Uh, he's a better off like help. Like Shaq can guard his guy, but he doesn't help that much. Um, Alonzo Mourning helps more on defense. So there's times when there are players that can't guard the perimeter and could get by, could score when Shaq's in the game, but when Alonzo Mourning is in the game, it's a different, it's a different feel. So it's almost like a, like a, like a, like a reliever situation. You have a lefty and you have a righty. You literally have that right now. Like, do you throw him the righty or do you throw him the lefty? That's kind of like, that's the coach's decision. Like, how do I change the tempo of the game with these players? That's the goal. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. I mean, if you if you had to pick between the two of them, who would you pick if you had to keep one only? Uh, oh, my gosh. That's a really <laughs> it's, good question. It's a tough one. This is where it's it gets tough. interesting. Because you're going to have to make that decision well, eventually if you're Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers. I, it's, so it's funny because, like, they'll probably do the exact opposite I say. So I don't, <laughs> knowing that, um, I, I don't know. Um, it's a, I, I, see, I think it's upon what develops around them because they're not going to be the centerpiece of the Pacers. That's the true. centerpiece is Victor Oladipo. So in my opinion, if you have the guards develop more around them, I would like Sabonis more because of where he plays in the offense. Um, he can play a, a better supplementary role and get points that way than having to be featured in a way to get the ball to the individual, like like Turner needs. Um, but I, I, that's just that's just how I see it. Like. It just depends on what develops around them because if the guards can just play their game kind of like Golden State and the bigs just pick up the extra rebounds, pick and roll, slip situations, and pretty much act like a like a running game uh, in a football game where you just get yards, eat clock, and get points, uh, you'll be able to control, like I said, control the tempo, change the tempo, rest the guards at certain points. And I think that's better done through Sabonis than it's done through Turner. I think Turner has better defense than Sabonis. Yeah. No. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think we all kind of agree with what um, what with what their their characteristics are and what their skill sets are. But you know, I'm with you. I'm I'm more Team Sabonis than I am Team Turner. I, I just feel like Sabonis is a little bit more consistent too. And you know, we saw Turner. He's been playing really well recently with Oladipo out. So if he can keep that you know consistent play up, I think that. Honestly, whoever they that, end up going with, I think a lot of fans will be happy with uh, either either or because he's been playing good. And that's the, and that's the question: Who does Oladipo play the best with? And that will be the answer. Yeah. Um, if the ball has to, if, if Victor Oladipo can come down and shoot every time, and uh, one of those two gets five offensive rebounds, and they're putting it back in, and they they're coming on and their plus minus are pluses because they're making defensive stops. Um, that is the person that should win the job. It doesn't matter who it is. Whoever yeah. fits that stat should win the book, should win the job. 
Yeah, so uh, let me ask you one quick question. I know it's a little bit off topic, but you were talking about Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, those are you know two big names that we remember from the 90s and the early 2000s. I want to know, who was, who was your favorite center to go up against and who was the toughest center for you to guard? I mean, if you don't say Shaq, you're lying, but then you're boring. Uh, <laughs> but uh, personally, it, it, it's it's like um, when you know somebody and you've played against them so much. My toughest competition um, were, were players that I've played against uh, for a while, like uh, Tyson Chandler and, uh, and, and actually Kwame. Kwame knew really? everything I wanted to do at all times, and it just used to frustrate me so much. Like, he knew when I wanted to go left. He knew when I wanted to go right. So we used to play against each other so much. And it's just like, you just, you have this one, stop playing against all these people. Because <laughs> you, you, you have a bag of tricks, you know? And like, I didn't have that deep of a bag. I was a power back to the basket player. You know, later in my career, when I went to China, I learned how to shoot. I learned how to do all that other stuff that for, for my entire basketball career, I'm told I'm not supposed to do. And, it, like it's like it, it's that's the thing like we're talking about the evolution of the game it's not even more the evolution of the game it's the evolution of the psychology of the coaches like you could have had a big man that had these abilities years ago i mean talk about sabonis uh sabonis's father was an amazing basketball player when he was younger uh he lost a bunch of agility over his life and when he came over here he was i mean he wasn't like he was but my, my dad was a, a defensive lineman coach at Vanderbilt and they have a film vault there and I got to watch Sabonis play against Purdue and it looked like a modern day basketball player trying to play against like a caveman like it, it was like <laughs> it, it, the way he could dribble the way he passed the way, like everything about it was just smooth so I mean it, it's like the ability to to do that's always been there it's just been in, in my opinion the coaches have held big men back um they, they 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 tell the rule I used to have is unless I see color under your feet, you're going to get taken out of the game because you're not supposed to shoot it. And that was like when I was like young. So it's like it, it's it, the, the psychology of the games changed to allow the game to change. You know, uh, rules and regulations and all that other stuff too. You know, um, the physicality's gone down. So being big is a disadvantage. If you're standing in the basketball court and you're standing up, and one person's on the ground and one person's standing up, and the ref doesn't see anything and blows the whistle, the person standing up is just going to get the foul. I mean, that's how it works. And it's like, the problem is, it's like, oh, so everybody just fall down, and you saw that. It was almost like Euroball over here for a while because the best bet you had is just falling on the ground, trying, and, like, being the stronger person was not an advantage. And that's not, that was it. that's not sports. You know, it, it, that's that's ballet, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> but, like, but, did, did, you know. Was there, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when you mentioned kind of uh, some of those centers, was there someone that you benefited most from, whether it was on the Pacers roster or just someone from playing against that you were able to take moves from? Was, was there anything uh, that, that was kind of a big influence on you in terms of a, a fellow center? The player I wanted to emulate the most was Tim Duncan. And the, the, I, I have two Tim Duncan meet stories. The first one ever, uh, former Colorado player, Sean Vanderveer, uh, he knows uh, Greg Popovich. And uh, when I was playing at Boulder, uh, I got tickets to go see them. And Sean got, 
you know, the the the, the press passes to go backstage, and he took me down there with him. And I got to meet him, and he was like, oh, nice to meet you. And I literally couldn't speak. I was just like, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> And, like, Sean, like, spoke for me pretty much. Like, I was, like, literally dumbfounded. And then uh, when I was trying out for the Spurs for the, at their summer camp facility, he shows up and uh, uh, literally just, like, it was his first day there and just jumped in the drills and stuff. And then afterwards, uh, he totally remembered meeting me. And he was like, like, nice to be like, you're finally talking to me this time. Like, I never, like, after games or anything, I've never spoken to him again. And I got to go, uh, you know, with him in his car, and he took me to lunch. Uh, and it was, it was honestly one of the great, I was, that was, that was, I sat around, like, this is the coolest day I've been in the NBA. You know, like, That's like being able to, yeah, like, that was, like, there, there's a fan aspect that, I, I just just a love of respect for for him that uh he just he he was an amazing player uh and at the at the end of the day it was it was more of, he was a wizard than a basketball player like he was an actual magician he would do things <laughs> and you're like well, how did that happen like, you have to watch it like three times he just did everything just so well honestly duncan's game was just they, they call it boring but it, it was just smooth it honestly was i mean just an overall just class act and and surefire first ballot hall of famer one of the greats uh speaking of another big man uh recently kind of made some headlines that actually a fellow member of your 2004 nba draft class dwight howard who you happen to have dominated the night after the malice at the palace drop in 1908 no big deal (laughs) Was uh, actually involved in some headlines recently. Uh, we'll say more interesting rumors, to put it lightly, maybe regarding your sexual preference. How much of a distraction do you think it is playing in the era of social media nowadays compared to your time in the NBA? Oh, my. I mean, if there was social media when I played in the NBA, you would have had a selfie probably at the Dallas Palace. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, That's so true. Uh, like if there, uh, if 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 social media, social media is is it, it's not a phenomenon. It's always existed. It's just now hyper. It's fast. You know, like things used to have to creep through the grapevine. Now it's like it happens, and everyone knows about it instantly. Um, the, the, there's a lot of you should protect yourself, but there's a lot of opportunities for athletes on it. You know, like post sports, if you have a big enough Twitter following, you could literally make a lot of money just promoting brands. Uh, there's just a lot that it offers, but it, it is dangerous. In, 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 a, in a post, uh, Alice, the world, like we were just joking about, uh, could you imagine the footage? Could you imagine the comments? Could you, could you, could you even imagine? Like, it would have been the most talked about topic of the year for sure. Well, it's still, it's one of the most unifying, no matter, I've been across the entire planet and no matter where I've been after people have heard, I played in the NBA, they they will say, Oh, do you remember this? And it'll be the mouth. And I was like, do I remember that was big? Of course. Ain't going to forget that. Of course I remember it. You didn't take a selfie though. So no one knows if you really were there or not. Yeah, right. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> there's been charges filed, so the government knows. So as long as the government knows, everybody knows. But, uh, 
we played no contest. You know, we played no contest, and we tried to make it go as fast as we possibly could to get back to the business of basketball. But I wish there was more of a um, push of justice from our side. Um, we t- we took a lot of crap, in my opinion, on that ruling because it, it was bad. And it was, it was crazy because uh, you, you just sit around for years waiting for it to happen. And it's just a ton of stress. You know, lawyers constantly talking, telling you to do this, can't do this, can't say this, can't go there. And like I said, I couldn't imagine the social media. I mean, the court case would have been completely ruined. Ron would have been on Periscope talking about, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> like that, you know. Like, <laughs> It would have been it, it, it would have been crazy. Uh, I, back to Dr. Dwight, um, you know, for it's a tragedy of justice what happens with social media too, because there's a court of opinion that gets instantly filed, and what should happen is the claims of this individual should go, and it should have to have merit, and if it doesn't have merit. Um, there should be some type of punitive damage that could be taken against that type of individual. And in this case, um, you know, you have someone that goes on, blasts a lot of stuff out, sounds convincing. Um, but the technology these days, you can make someone's voice sound some way. You can edit. Like, there's, there's just so many different things you can do. And it's like, we were talking about conspiracy theories. I think, like, um, you know, he was the first pick, and he was DH twelve, and I was the last pick, and I'm DH thirteen. So it's almost like there's a lot of <laughs> lot of weird cosmetology here. But uh, the uh, I, I wish. I mean, he's out for the rest of the year this year. I think he's having surgery or something. And it's like, how do you address this? You know, like, do you come out and you you're angry if it's not true? Because if it's not true, I'm angry. Um, do you come out with a legal team around you? Um, do you guys like, like, how do you address this? And the thing is, it's like, it's a huge distraction, you know, um, for, for him, for his, for his team, for his, for his teammates, you know, uh, it's just, just because of how instant reactions can be gotten from social media. It's a huge distraction because of the reaction it's gotten. Oh, definitely. And when this information came out, I mean, the Wizards were just coming apart at the seams. I mean, it just seemed that there was they were making so many headlines for all the wrong reasons. Still haven't heard Dwight confirm or deny anything. It kind of seemed like it's, it's quieted down. So I, I guess maybe him taking the, the approach that way seemed to have paid off. But to kind of tie it into, as you bring up a conspiracy theory, I happen to be a guy who enjoys a good conspiracy theory myself. Steph Curry made some comments recently about his disbelief in the United States actually landing on the moon. Do you think there's any truth to this? Or is this more along the lines of Kyrie Irving believing that the world is flat? Now, NASA has since invited <laughs> Steph to come down and check it out for himself. But I want to hear from your point of view. What are you thinking? <laughs> I, you know, it's, it, it, I was my majors at Colorado or uh, history and philosophy. Um and one of the things at the time, you have to understand, I do believe America's been to the moon. They may not have been the time they claim they were when they broadcasted it, but I do believe they've been to the moon. But I think the broader question is this, is the moon hollow? That is the question that needs to be asked. 
Uh, hey, you might know better than me. Look at when you look at the moon. Um, mm-hmm. the, like uh, recently, I think it was last year, last August, we had an eclipse, and the 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 chance of that happening is simply because the moon is one four hundredth the size of the the sun, but four hundred times closer to the planet than the sun is. Um, it is like perfectly aligning in front of the sun. It's almost just like it's not supposed to be there. So it's not like if we've been to the moon, the question is what's on the moon, you know, like you, you can investigate it some just, uh, yourself, but, uh, it's very interesting when you look at, you know, just the physical attributes of the moon, like one side is pockmarked. The other side is scorched and flat. Um, there's a claim that when uh, one of the Saturn rockets were, was forced down and it hits the moon, they said the moon rang like a bell for hours. Um, I mean, it's it's very very interesting when you uh, when you like you see you hear and you place you know the but the NASA recordings you know together. Uh, there's documentaries about it, and it's not like like those weird online conspiracy theory documentaries. <laughs> Read but quite like, a few of those. You know, but like, uh, like I said, it's not about whether we've been there. It's the question is what's there, you know. And then you have these old myths, uh, these old Zulu myths about the time before the moon and things like that. So it's like I, I've always been not like I, I've. I also am under the opinion that you know this, you know, the pyramids that's oh three three thousand BC and all that other stuff. Like I, I have under the opinion that humanity has been around a bit longer. Uh, than uh, than we care to admit. I, I do think that you definitely made some valid points there, and uh, for for some of it, we may never know. But you're only ten years younger than me. But there's a real there's a quantum leap coming um, in technology. Uh, you know, the, you, you had this microchip theory of you know things getting smaller at this pace, and we've kind of tap that out um what's next is quantum computing and once that starts happening um there's just going to be a shift in how things are done it's going to be just a, 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 a like it's 1900 for every hundred for every hundred <clears throat> horse and buggies there was one car and then in 1913 uh for every hundred cars there was one horse so it's like there's going to be a paradigm shift, uh, a lot of AI, a lot of robotics, a lot of things are going to be able to be developed uh, with this higher computing power. It's, it's, I, I completely agree. I mean, we've gone through a lot over the, just the last 10 years alone that, hey, uh, I'll, it's going to be pretty mind-blowing what's ahead. But, hey, Alex, before we close out, any uh, any last comments or questions? Man, I mean, I could sit here and talk Pacers basketball all day. You know me. I'm a, I'm a huge Pacer fan, been one my whole life. Uh, I, I just think we need to have David back on soon and uh, just dive into more stuff because clearly we don't have the time to tonight go through all the stuff that we want to go through. So, David, if you're up to it, I'd love to have you back on the show, man. Oh, definitely. Like I said, it's fun. Uh, I'll just go on and talk. Uh, can't be fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i can actually talk paid a lot of fines in my career i wish i had all that money back but 
it's 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 liberating to be able to speak and uh, and actually be sought after for an opinion. And uh, you know, thank you guys for having me on. Oh, of course, uh, our pleasure, David. And uh, once again, thank you very much. And uh, hey, let's get a let's get a quick uh, quick little prediction over here. Where do you think the Pacers can finish going into the playoffs? I mean, uh, they have definitely capability of doing top four, but. Uh, the East is so wide open. Um, the, the goal, you know, top, if you can get top seed, go for it. Um, but the goal is to not go in beat up, go in fresh enough, grow up healthy enough. Um, having bodies is more important than home court. Well, I, I think we should close it out on saying that David Harrison said, if we can get the top seed, why not? Let's go for it. <laughs> No, I, I, it's there. Go for it. I mean, the East is wide open. Um, teams are, the Sixers are still gelling. I don't know what happened to Boston. Um, They're playing a little yeah, bit better. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what happened to Boston. Toronto's looking very well, but uh, the East is wide open. So, like, if but if it's it's a game of attrition as well. So, just managing, you know, overall health and understanding. You know, it's all about being able to be able to play game seven of the finals. You know, that's the goal. It doesn't matter if you, if you win, if you lose two, you got to win four. You know, you lose three, you got to win four. Right. The goal is the, how do you win those four games in the finals? And that's, that's, that's the thing. Like once you get a team that just focuses on that, I mean, I think Popovich's teams, uh, kind of gelled into that later in their careers. Um, I think you have a talent set here, especially with the talent of Victor Oladipo, where you can like legitimately focus it on. You know, let's focus on winning championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, he is. Hey, a, that he is. is a franchise player for sure. Uh, I'd like to see what they can do to build around Oladipo for the future because I think he is that special of a talent that he can get you into the NBA Finals. Now we know the Warriors are still, you know, just the tallest mountain to climb. But in the Eastern Conference, I mean, they, they just need to get the right pieces, and I think they could really, you know, make a run at uh, uh, the Eastern Conference and get back to the finals once again. You know, it's been 18 years. It's been 18 years since Pacers have been in the finals. So uh, we're ready to get back yeah, there. Yeah, that's the thing. Anything can happen. That's the, that's the, that's the beauty of sport. It's it's the, the serendipitous nature of it all. And, like, it tragedy for one side is is ecstasy for the other side, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, it, 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 if they put themselves in a good position at the end of the season um, and they're healthy, they're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. They're, they're a deep team. Um, they have many different options. They can throw different looks at you, uh, attack you different ways. So that that's always a valuable team to have. Yes, sir. Well, we appreciate you coming on, David. And like I said, we'll have to have you on again soon. I know Fachi uh, was really looking forward to this conversation as well as I. And uh, our other co-host, Tyler Smith, was unable to make it. And I know he wanted to uh, ask you some questions, too. So hopefully on the next podcast we do with you, he will be here for it. Um, but as we let you go, where can people find you out on Twitter? And uh, do you have anything uh, you want to say with uh, parting words-wise with us? Uh, it was my name. I think that's my Twitter address. Uh, it'd be awesome to like have like a million followers and you know 
like leave like leave like an actual revolution. That would be cool. But <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, keep but, doing uh, podcasts, you will. <laughs> but I, I don't know. You never know. But uh, I, you know, I, you guys, you said uh, before we were talking a bit, and uh, how uh, you were, you were, you guys were waiting in the autograph uh, pit area mm-hmm. when you were younger. Um, like I said, that's a story I hear a lot, and that's very cool. And uh, you know, thank you for uh, for telling me that, bringing that really, really close smile on my face. Hey, hey, you brought a big smile to my face back in the day, so. If I can ever repay the favor like I just did, I'm more than happy to do it. David, thanks a lot for the time today. Oh, you guys too. All right, man. We're back. Michael Focci, the dashing Michael Focci. Not just Mike Focci, but the dashing Michael Focci. Uh, man, I, I can't get over how groomed your beard is, man. It's so classy, man. I just feel like you deserve to be in the Beard Hall of Fame right now. Uh, but anyway, let's get back to some basketball. We just had some interesting conversation there with David Harrison. Really appreciate him coming on and talking to us. But now we're going to preview the next four games for the Indiana Pacers. Coming up Wednesday night, huge test into division rival. The Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, steps into Bankers Life Fieldhouse for the first time this season. Fachi. What do the Pacers got to do to slow down the Greek freak and those pesky bucks? Big test. Now, I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's really a way to slow down the Greek freak, but it, it does help that we're playing at home. That's always important. And, you know, while they got off to a blistering start, you know, starting the season 7 and 0, this is a Bucks team that hasn't been as consistent lately. They've kind of been alternating wins and losses. I do feel a little bit better. I mean, they're they're scoring the ball at such a high rate right now that it, it is intimidating. It is, and just it's going to be kind of a, a collective effort. But if you can, you kind of feel like the Greek freak's going to get his. It, yeah. It's just about limiting everybody else. And uh, while I think it's going to be near impossible to hold them below a hundred. Pacers, outside of giving up 101 yesterday, almost held their last four opponents below 100. So we're kind of getting them to play a little bit of a sloppier style of basketball, which I'm actually I'm, I'm digging. Now, can <laughs> we take out the – I am. I mean, we're, we're turning back the clock here. Sloppy basketball, Fachi's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we're turning back the clocks here. And uh, the, the Bucks. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I do believe they're number one in the league in scoring right now. It's just a, a hair under 119. I, it's It almost sounds made up. So we are going to need more scoring. I know that they're saying that Oladipo is questionable. I don't anticipate him coming back. So let's see if we can push it to five wins, but it's going to take a, a, a collective effort. And, of course, we're always going to need some bullion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, and uh, Milwaukee has the number two offensive rating right now at 113.8. This is Tesday night we're recording this. So, yeah, no, I, I totally understand, man. Uh, my biggest thing to look forward to in this game is going to be the center matchup. Miles Turner, who's been on a high playing against Brooke Lopez, who has become one of the third Splash Brothers uh, of the NBA. He's pulling up from the hash mark. I mean, dude has been just draining them from three recently. And the Pacers have always had a hard time, no matter what center they've had, uh, with Brooke Lopez. So I'd like to see them 
maintain Brooke Lopez. I'll be interested to see how Thaddeus Young defends Giannis Antetokounmpo because the last couple times in Indianapolis, Thad Young shut him down. And mm-hmm. I, it's not been the greatest place for the Greek freak. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, I mean, he really has not had too dominating of a performance. I might be missing one, but the ones I remember, he has been quiet. Now, I know they have a new system, so we can't really you know, throw that in there or factor that in right now. But with that being said, I mean, I'm not I'm not too, too concerned about this Bucks team because, like you said, since 7-0, and they've been 9-8. and So they're a 500 team, and this is a chance for you to pounce on them and get some more ground. Uh, and I, I, too, don't expect Oladipo back. I would expect him back. Uh, is it Thursday or Friday they're playing uh, the 76ers? Uh, I believe that game is going to be on Thursday. Oh, so that's the TNT game this week. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I know all the all the games against Philadelphia are nationally televised. So nice to get some uh, nationally televised games and get these guys some uh, national credit. I know people really aren't looking at them right now. Uh, everybody keeps talking about all the other teams around Indiana. So is it Thursday actually it's it's Friday on ESPN? ESPN. So yeah, I knew that's, that's I knew we were all nationally televised. I know there's two on TNT. And we already mm-hmm. played one on a Wednesday Wednesday night. So, um, but yeah, so then we got the the Sixers on Friday. Uh, Joel Embiid, that's another big test for Miles Turner as well. Uh, we'll see how he does. Jimmy Butler is there. We haven't seen Jimmy Butler yet. And hopefully this could be the return of Victor Oladipo. I, I do think that this this could be the game that Oladipo comes back. Uh, like I said, you, you don't want to risk it when we're actually playing pretty damn good basketball lately. But at the same point, this would be a game that we could use him in. Um, the Sixers, you know, they're the team that's above us right now. I mean, sure, you want to be able to win the games against teams above 500 because we talked about it before. Uh, I mean, now that they believe that Sacramento might be at 500, I believe they're a little bit over 500, maybe one game above. Pacers don't have the most wins over playoff teams right now. The, the list is the list is pretty small, so it would be very encouraging to win a game against Philly, especially after they took one against us on our home floor earlier in the year. Yeah, and it's in Philadelphia as well, so that's going to be a tough environment. But the Pacers last year were the were the last team to beat Philadelphia in the regular season on their home court. So the Pacers have had success there as well. And like you said, Fachi, they have not played well against playoff teams. I think the only playoff teams they've technically beaten are the Memphis Grizzlies at the beginning of the year the Boston Celtics, and they just beat the woeful Orlando Magic, who are under 500 and sitting about eight seeds. So not the most <laughs> impressive record, but he they haven't played the, the toughest schedule either. So uh, then coming back home on Sunday and Tuesday, they got the, the Knicks and the Cavaliers. Those are games you expect to win. They're at home. They're against teams that aren't very good. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it, but I think the big test will be Wednesday and Friday against the Bucks and the 76ers. I think those are the games most fans are looking forward to. So, Fachi, any final words as we wrap this up? I, I think those are the games that are going to teach us a lot about this Pacer team. While all is well in Indiana right now on a four-game winning streak, ooh, just imagine if we can if we can get through Milwaukee and Philly. The schedule is looking a little bit lighter coming up outside of just about Toronto. There's a lot of opportunity to go on a large run getting Oladipo back. So, very exciting time to be a Pacer fan. Yeah, let's let's get those wins Wednesday and Friday and keep that winning streak going. If we come back sweeping this week with four wins, that'll give us an eight-game winning streak. That'd be fantastic. 
that we'd start to get some buzz around here in Indianapolis. So, all right, everybody, make sure you check us out at Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter. You can follow Fachi at underscore Fachi, F-A-C-C-I. You can follow me at Alex Golden NBA. And unfortunately, no Tyler Smith this week. Uh, I talked to Tyler at the game on Saturday, and he literally had basketball coaching duties every night except one night this week. So along with covering the team, that's a lot of work. So make sure you follow him at Tyler Smith underscore ISL. And you can follow us on the up and under and nothing but net dash radio. Until next time, see you later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.